0: Hello, and welcome to Say Hi to the Future, a podcast aimed at highlighting the human side of human ingenuity, clever, inventive, and original thinking. My name is Ken Tenser, CEO of SpiderWorks, a leading business consultancy for mid-market organizations and entrepreneurs globally. And I'm also the curator for Say Hi to the Future. Today with me is the resilient Carrie-Anne Ostreicher, an executive coach and CEO of the coaching firm Potential Unlimited, Carrie Anne was a recipient of a Top 40 Under 40 Business Achievement Award and also named one of the Top 20 Inspiring Leaders to Watch for 2020. She is a member of the invite-only Global Forbes Coach Council and a nominee of Canada's Most Powerful 100 Women. Carrie Anne's success with her strategic holistic approach to developing leaders and high potentials has led her to appear regularly as a guest on City TV, CTV's Canada AM, CBC News World, and TSN. Carrie Ann has also been quoted in numerous publications, including the Globe and Mail, Forbes, Chatelaine, and Canadian Business Magazine. She's a regular contributor to Money Magazine. You can find her on Twitter at PotentialULTD, or you can visit her website at PotentialUnlimited.ca. I've known Carrie Ann for almost 17 years, and she's always been a source of inspiration and admiration for me. As things begin to open up and we see ourselves reaching some level of normalcy, I wanted to bring Carrie Ann on to chat about what it'll mean to recalibrate coming out of COVID and what people can do to prepare themselves for life post-pandemic. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, Carrie Ann, thanks for joining us today.
1: Hi, it's great to be here.
0: You know, it's funny. I um, every time I see you or, or pictures of you these days, you're always outdoors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, there is something really grounding about about being outside. And I must say, pre-COVID, I was a beach person. I love the beach, love being near the water, and and find that that fills me up. But um, since COVID and gyms are closed down, I've really been embracing um, outdoors and exercise, and really taking advantage of all the benefits that that nature can bring for stress levels too.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think <laughs> I've been trying to do the same. I've been trying to <laughs> emulate what you're doing, and um, with with the uh, being joined by a new puppy.
1: Oh, that's exciting, ago.
0: Ken. Um, it's funny, but it's um, it's amazing, um, you know, how the simpler pleasures and, yeah. and life have become so important. Um, yeah. And that we sort of, you know, recognize what is important to us a little mm-hmm. bit more.
1: For sure, for sure. There's something about this time or any tough time, even outside of COVID that makes you reflect. And it is often the simple things that are really the important things in life.
0: Yeah, and I know um, I have three kids, they're all in their 20s now.
1: It's hard to believe. I, I knew you when your kids were younger. So, yeah, wow. Absolutely.
0: And you were, <laughs> well, I think we met about 15, 16 years ago, and now yeah. your, your bio is longer than this whole segment. <laughs> I oh, you're flattering me now, Ken. So, <laughs> tell us a little bit more about what you do. Tell us a little bit about Potential Unlimited before we jump into
1: yeah. the formal
0: discussion, we'll say.
1: Yeah, so when we when we met each other initially, um, I was a vice president uh, working in more of a corporate style environment, uh, which I, I enjoyed, but um, there was some life circumstances in terms of personal things, and as well as just this feeling of like there's something more for me out there, which really caused me to take the leap into the great unknown and create um, my uh, executive coaching firm, Potential Unlimited, which, you know, um, I must say there, there was not a day uh, since that time that I've woken up where I'm not super excited to do what I'm doing. So that just confirms that it is the right thing. Um, and what I do is executive coaching, um, but it, it, it really looks at the whole person. So I think in business, you can't just look at a, an individual department and say, okay, you know, we got to fix this department and then the company's going to be fine. you have to look at the whole company. And that's essentially what I do for the person in executive coaching. We look at strategic business things, but we also look at things in terms of stress. Uh, Are they physically feeling healthy? Um, And then we can look at things like delegating uh, executive presence and all that sort of stuff too. So I do that and, um, through my own life's experiences, through the brain injury, um, you know, I've, I've unfortunately or fortunately become a bit of a brain expert over the years, the nine years since my injury. So I do a lot around mindfulness because I have seen the, tr- the tremendous impact it has made in my own life. So now I've been rolling it out to my executive uh, clients. And they're also seeing great benefits. So I do mindfulness workshops, mindfulness coaching, and then again, back to the coaching and speaking about my journey.
0: Mm -hmm. And how have executives taken to that? And and I I will say that um, I've actually started practicing mindfulness probably about two years ago, um, started listening through the internet and and started um, enjoying the benefits of focus and relaxation. But I got to tell you, it was... um, not an easy thing for a type A entrepreneur to say, okay. No, no. So how do you work people through that journey?
1: You know, I must say it's easier now than it was uh, 10 years ago when I started my business. Um, because back in those days, you know, I had to, I had to really prove it to them as to why and they should practice this because there's research and all this sort of stuff, but busy people just don't have time for more stuff. That's, that's kind of the thinking, right? right? And they're, unless they actually see the measurement of the benefit, why bother? And it's hard to actually, unless you've got an MRI, a functional MRI, you're not seeing the benefit. So nowadays, um, it's becoming much more popular. And I think COVID uh, has up stress levels and all these different things that people yeah. are trying to balance so much that, they are more open to it. And uh, I think I've also created a a network of really good spokespeople of people I've coached over the years who have seen the benefit. And then they're telling people who are telling people, and then they're coming to me uh, asking for the mindfulness, which is really Mm -hmm. refreshing.
0: Oh, it it is. And it's, it's, (laughs) Again, I mean, I've just been at almost every business function I've been to, I guess, virtually in the last year or two, it's just come up. And it's um, yeah. it's actually a nice thing that that we're accepting um, of, of mindfulness and we're accepting of coaching. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I said for many years that when you look at Olympic athletes, you always see the coach standing beside them. Yes. You don't get to the podium on your own. But for some reason, you know, business leaders, we just... We believe we're supposed to have all of the answers that we are supposed to rely on ourselves and and anything else isn't a sign of strength. And and I'm glad to see that changing.
1: Well, when you think about it, um, you know, a business leader, before they go in to do an important presentation, maybe for the board or whatever they're doing, what's their preparation? They might go to the bathroom, they might have coffee, they might review their notes. That essentially is what they're doing. But are they really preparing themselves think about a rock star, think about a motivational speaker before they go on stage, they've got a a routine. Um, So, you know, some of what I do is even getting people to just stop and build that five minutes in before their meetings to get their mind, get their, get themselves ready beyond the information so they can really go in there and make some serious impact.
0: Yeah, no, and that's great advice for everyone. And, you know, I I started speaking after my first book about 12, 14 years ago Mm. and, and, The the funny thing is, is the first person I turned to was, was a speaking coach and um, her background was actually the theater. And the first lesson was how to breathe Mm -hmm. and how to breathe before getting on stage. So uh, again, whether it's mindfulness, learning how to breathe, I think that what you're saying is, you know, how how do you become present in the moment very quickly and and keep yourself focused?
1: Yeah. And, you know, once you get it, it becomes easy enough to do, but. It really comes down to, to wiring. Uh, you need to wire your brain and the way you do it is through practice. So any activity or any sort of uh, way of thinking, the more you do it, the more you think of it, the more you're aware of it, the more it's digging that trenchway through your brain. So it becomes automatic. And then before you know it, that's your way of being. Um, you know, I think in many ways, I'm the same person that you would have talked to 15 years ago, Ken, but on the other hand, I'm different. Yes, because of my brain injury, and and I have lost my husband to cancer, and you know all these different things that have happened for me. But um, some of it is just I've really learned some tools that have made a profound impact in my life and in my business.
0: Yeah, and you you've mentioned it a few times now. I mean, we, we're talking a little bit about resilience. We talked about it mm. last segment. Um, you, you're probably the most resilient person I know. <laughs> I mean, what, what you have gone yeah. through, and yeah. and how you talk today about Getting up, being ex- getting up in the morning, being excited about what you do. T- tell us a little bit more about that journey, because it, it truly is remarkable.
1: Well, you know, I think of my life when I think of my past, it was the most normal, quote unquote, past a person could have, you know, normal parents, normal siblings, although I like to tease my brothers, they're maybe not so normal. But, you know, <laughs> life was normal. And I had this career path. I thought I had it all figured out super ambitious type a, like nothing's going to stop me. And I had this naive image in my head, I guess, of what I was going to be like in the world, super successful, super fit, amazing mom. Like I just had it all right. Like in my mind, I was going to be this super woman. And then, you know, fast forward life hits and, you know, I married an amazing man, uh, Jeff, and, uh, we had two beautiful girls, um, who are now ages 12 and 10. But, um, when my youngest was a baby, I had some aches and pains just in my, my neck and back went in to get an x-ray pretty straightforward in standing up position with my head, just looking up at the ceiling, just like that. Uh, the lab tech went to click on the machine in the other room, for whatever reason, I fainted. I think I was just so wound tight in my business. I was working so hard, so type A, and it just, I hit my, I hit my wall. Unfortunately for me, I also hit the concrete floor with my head, which knocked Mm -hmm. me out. I couldn't see for three hours. I was vomiting, taken to ER uh, by ambulance. And I was uh, diagnosed with a a severe traumatic brain injury. Um, And what you do in that case is you go home and there's no treatment except for you're supposed to rest in a dark room until the symptoms subside. So my kids got sent away to my parents a few hours away. And I spent weeks alone in a dark room with Zero technology, zero stimulation. So I know what so many people are going through right now feels very isolating. And and I don't belittle that by any sense because it's very challenging. But let me tell you, you go from a world of super type A to like no phone, no TV, no, like can't even talk to my husband who comes in to deliver the meals because that's too much stimulation. So lots of years of brain rehab. Um, I was told at the two year post injury mark by all kinds of neurologists that I would never get any better than where I sit in that moment. A little voice inside my head was like, bullshit. I'm respectful. I'm listening, but I'm not buying it. I'm not buying your Mm -hmm. goods. So um, anyway, fast forward, here we are nine years this summer. I have continued to recover. I am still not fully recovered. I get headaches. I have to manage energy and sorts of uh, all sorts of things, but I am leaps and bounds ahead of where I was, but what makes my story even more, uh, tragic, I I suppose is that my husband, Jeff was the primary caregiver then for our girls. And for me, and he was amazing. So amazing. I can't even say enough about that man. And he was diagnosed three years ago with cancer uh, esophageal cancer out of the blue. He was, you know, vegetarian, like no vices, didn't drink, didn't smoke triathlete, like, you know, amazing guy. Um, and stage three, we went through the chemo, the radiation, uh, a a major surgery, um, hoping that that would do it. And, uh, a few months later, the cancer came back and, uh, within a year, uh, he had had a stroke that paralyzed him, um, and then eventually, he passed away in my arms. Um, and was a, you know, the saddest day of my life. And um, then, you know, a few months later, COVID hits. So all of our help and supports right. taken away. So it's it's been a journey, Ken.
0: <laughs> no, it sounds like it. And I appreciate you sharing it. And what I've noticed, too, though, you, you shared a lot online, you shared a lot very openly. And I, I, you know, first I thought that is so brave, but then I wonder is was it just more cathartic?
1: Um, (laughs) Perhaps. You know, I mean, what, what,
0: what? Because I thought it was the most incredible thing, Um, and yeah, how do you come to that point of being able to share and open up? Um, You know,
1: it's interesting because again the the me that knew you back in the day, um, I tended to keep things pretty private. Like my work was my work and my private mm-hmm. was my private. And, you know, I would allow some parts to seep in, uh, you know, for appropriate branding, but really, you know, I kept it pretty separate. Mm-hmm. Um, and something with the brain injury cracked me right open. Um, maybe there was a vulnerability. Um, and then as people started to gravitate and say, Hey, look at, you're helping me by sharing. I started to do it more and you're right there. There's definitely a piece in it for me too, in terms of like, you know, I journal, but it's almost like this is a little mini journal when I share. And I also get support along the way, but I also help support people. So it it is a win-win. And then with Jeff's cancer, um, you know, he is a, he was a very private person, but he was okay with sharing the journey because again, he saw the response from people and that it was really helping others. And and I just mm-hmm. feel like there's a certain amount of bravery it takes to be that vulnerable. And mm-hmm. I'm willing to step up to the plate and do it if it helps others. And I hope that others will follow that lead and be vulnerable and open and help others too.
0: Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for your bravery, because I know that <laughs> in reading it and in sharing it, that it really has touched people. And the one thing you didn't mention about Jeff too, is he was a a pond hockey champion. (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know, he was an accountant by trade who, um, you know, you kind of think straight and narrow in many ways he was straight and narrow, but um, he had this super adventurous side and he, uh, you know, was on this pond hockey team and won like all of Canada championships with his team Won all of North America, they went to the States and competed. He's done Red Bull crash. Ice, like, you know he he anything with adventure and the the chance to push himself, he really did, and I think in many ways um, that was tough to watch um, him him fade away in terms of the cancer and and his physical strength and even the stroke um, mm-hmm. taking away many of his physical abilities, but he still kept fighting even against the odds, so I really respected that about him
0: yeah, and I mean that's a great addition to to, to everybody to what he did and how you remember it I mean. It, um, I think on behalf of every young Canadian child yeah. who ever played hockey outdoors in minus 30 um, and yeah. the first <laughs> time that, you know, we started talking, and you're right, you you kept your business and your personal very separate, mm-hmm. but that was always mm-hmm. fascinating because I didn't actually know Hond hockey outside of childhood is <laughs> a thing, but it, it, oh, it yeah. apparently is a very wonderful thing, a very competitive one. Yes, so, yes, it is. <laughs> so a, a lot of what we're talking about here is is resilience, and in my last episode, I spoke when I spoke to Billy Parnell and Eve Stasician um, about resilience and well being, mm-hmm. and I asked them um, the same question that I'd like to ask you now: Is what what does resilience mean to you?
1: resilience means to me, and it's funny you asked that because I was explaining it to my 10 year old. She asked me, what are you talking on your podcast? About? I said, resilience. And she said, is that like, you don't, is it resistance? Is it resisting against something? And I said, no, but what it is to me is that it's the ability to face tough times and grow, survive, Uh, survive them and maybe even thrive in them. That's kind of the stretch goal, but Mm -hmm. it's to be able, you know, like I look at, look at my life over the past years and past 10 years, I would say, and, you know, I've got knocked down repeatedly, but I get back up. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. it always looks pretty. It doesn't mean I do it perfect, Um, but I keep getting back up. And I guess the definition of resilience to me is the ability or the desire to try and get back up, no matter how hard it is. Um, even if you know you're going to get knocked down again.
0: No, well, I think that's great. And I, I don't know if everybody will get this reference, but, um, the other day, somebody was asking me about resilience and I talked about Weebles. Do you, okay. Do you remember what a Weebles No. Is? Okay.
1: <laughs> Explain, so do really tell. Great.
0: It's really great radio here. A Weeble <laughs> is this childhood punching bag and, and the slogans was Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Oh.
1: Exactly. And, yes. And I said
0: to and I said to one of my kids, that is resilience. Yeah. So yeah. For, for all of you not quite as old as me, you can go and Google Weebles <laughs> um, after this and, and you'll probably appreciate it more.
1: Yes. <laughs> um,
0: the, the other thing I say about resilience too, I mean, as an entrepreneur, it's it's one of the four values that I've always had. I mm-hmm. mean, and there's there's a fantastic prof out of um, Harvard. Rosabeth Moss Cantor, Mm -hmm. and she always says that everything can look like a failure in the middle. That's what she's called Cantor's Law. And I think that's bang on. And she goes on, she talks about um, we start into a project and we're excited and the team is excited, but then things start to go wrong. Then you have to Mm -hmm. pivot, then you have to change. And that's where the energy burns. Mm -hmm. So for me, I mean, resilience and the ability to change Um, or or transform is is just so critical in every part of our life today.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I think it's part of the life cycle of of any business or of any important project or relationship or anything is there is that sort of, you know, falling in love stage of whatever you're working on. And then things do get tough. Um, And then you got to kind of like re strategize, re navigate, keep your communication clear, and then find a path that's going to continue to take you forward. And it may be very different than the path that you first yeah. anticipated.
0: Yeah. And, you, you know, and, and I'm always incredibly careful to look for um, positives, if you will, out of the pandemic Because it's, mm-hmm. it's obviously taken an incredible toll on everybody yeah. and it's taken tolls on lives and families. Um, but there's one thing I do take from it is that Everyone in the world has learned how to change or transform. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that, you know, when when the pandemic first became a reality for me, I, I was driving home from work and we're approaching our 30th year in business. And I've been there 17. I, we'd never had the office closed, it didn't matter, snowstorm yeah. or whatever. But all of a sudden, I realized that seven and a half billion people weren't just... Um, connected through technology we were connected through this incredible event this mm-hmm. extraordinary event around the pandemic and all of our lives changed in an instant for sure and, and from that I, I i think i've learned and, and been able to help other people learn that change and transformation isn't that scary because we've just gone through a heck of a, a time
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think as cliche as it it is, because I've heard it a zillion times, but we're all in it together. And I think that's the interesting thing is like, this isn't just a a Canada or the U S or Europe, like whatever it is, it's, it's, everybody it's, it's impacted. And uh, it's amazing. Like I wouldn't have imagined two years ago that I would have been going into a bank with a mask on and not get arrested, but you know, we're all facing similar things and it is what it is. And there is something that I hope proves to people how resilient they are. But I also think there's a lot of fallout from this too, that that is going to need to be cleaned up or dealt with in terms of mental health. And it's been a struggle for so many people. So yes, I think that there are many silver linings, but I think from a resilience standpoint, I think people have really been tested in serious ways here. And, um, and if people are feeling like they're faltering, it doesn't mean that they're not resilient for those that are feeling that way and listening. Um, It just, this is, this is building that resilience muscle and sometimes it's gonna hurt.
0: Yeah. And, and I think to your point there, you know, for, for, for those who are looking for that help, as you said, we have been in it together. I think there's um, that acceptance that it's been challenging on everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think it's provided us um, hopefully an open dialogue or feeling a peace to talk about challenges that we've had mm-hmm. um, during this time. And I hope that that ability to open up, especially in business, um, does become another silver lining because As we talked about before, in business, it's very hard to say, I'm hurting, I need help, Um, I'm not at ease with with the situation. So uh, hopefully that will come to pass too.
1: Well, one thing that I think is really interesting from a business perspective with with Covid is before this time, there still were a lot of leaders who were like I used to be that you know pretty business business is business and home is home and and will allow parts of it to seep in as executive brand is important to do so. And mm-hmm. that was where things stopped. Then all of a sudden, Covid, You've got people's kids running around behind, you got dogs barking, you got delivery people repeatedly banging on the doors. And it doesn't matter if you're a CEO or if you're a coordinator level or whatever it is, we all got stuff we're we're dealing with and it's tough. So a lot of people are just about ready to crack at certain times along this COVID path. So I think the more people that have been, especially at higher levels are able to share, Hey, this is tough. And here's kind of what I'm experiencing. Um, And let's just talk about it. And it's not necessarily airing dirty laundry. It's not necessarily venting, but it's shining a light that things are not perfect. At the start of COVID, I was talking to a senior executive who was telling me how amazing him and his family is, his wife is teaching the kids piano and astrology and everything's just amazing and great and perfect. And I was like, it made me feel like I was a failure because I thought I am really struggling to get food on the table for these kids and run my business and do homeschooling. And this guy says, everything is perfect. Like what's wrong with me? But I think he was doing a disservice. Um, I'm sure not everything was perfect for him every day, but he wanted to give that appearance. And the reality is, I think um, nowadays we need to hear the truth that even people Mm -hmm. in leadership positions are finding it challenging at times, but they are rising to the occasion and that's where the resilience comes into play.
0: Yeah. Well, to balance it out, I can tell you, it hasn't been perfect for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good. I'm glad to hear that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, the the other thing with resilience and and the other thing I think I learned more of um, very much with the help of my youngest daughter, who again, they're all in their twenties, but the notion of gratitude. um, Yeah. And, and, and and I really, really tried to, to embrace that um, on my own, but once in a while needed a little help. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I I have a pretty good life. Um, I have beautiful kids and um, I'm doing what I love doing. So I have a pretty good life and I had to do it from home for a while. And I think that learning gratitude was probably one of the most important things that, that I could have done. Mm -hmm. Um, in the last year, not, not that I'm perfect at it yet, but, um, just opening my eyes to it.
1: You know, I was taught, uh, lots of really important things in, in brain rehab. And I was in, uh, five different programs for about six years. Um, so did a lot of really in-depth stuff, but, um, two things that I learned that relate to what you're talking about is. Uh, to learn how to wire my brain for gratitude and compassion and when to apply them and let me explain because when things get tough in my life I go to gratitude so I feel what I'm feeling I uh, so I feel the toughness I don't push it away because we need to embrace what it is to kind of just let it let it sit with us and then I'll start thinking about okay the things I'm grateful for and the more I practice that the more I would do it which then made it automatic so it it was like the switch I would let myself feel it for a bit and then switch on gratitude and think about what I'm thankful for compassion is when I'm frustrated with people when I'm like okay why did that person just do this or you know or a situation's just really annoying me I then flip into okay I don't know what their situation is I know what mine is but I don't know theirs and Um, probably a lot of people don't know what my situation is either from the outside. So um, I learned to realize that everybody's got their own journey and their own stories. And even though they may seem crazy to me, uh, certain individuals and their behaviors, the reality is we're all people just trying to do the best we can. And when I can see it from that lens, then it takes the heat off of me feeling so frustrated. And really, what good is that doing me anyway?
0: Yeah, well, and I I love the way you describe that, because I mean, if you think about compassion in business and I'd say there wasn't a lot of compassion in no. business um, pre-pandemic I mean you think of what we learn we learn about negotiating skills which is uh-huh. um, understanding other people's perspectives um, but you do that and and to be flat out about it in, in an exploitive type of way in business uh-huh. Uh-huh. because you want to out negotiate this is what we're taught and all of a sudden this compassion or this skill this understanding um it's being used for 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 good. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's an incredible change um, yeah. that I hope we take forward.
1: And I can even speak from my own personal experiences. Like, you know, I, I used to be, and I still am competitive, but I used to be really competitive and I just wanted to win whether it was in business or in athletic competitions or whatever. I wanted to win. And at, you know, even if that meant steam rolling over somebody at times, which, you know, not very good, but now I've been able to shift that and, I just want to help. I just want to help the world. I want to be of service. I want to collaborate. And yeah, that's a much better technique. It it gets you further in life in many senses and you feel better about things at the end of the day. You're helping versus running over somebody along the way. Yeah. And I guess
0: my fear, and it is a real fear that a lot of what we learned, um, we'll forget very quickly. Yeah. Um, Whether it's compassion, whether it's gratitude, offices will open, we'll be back at work, we'll be commuting long hours. Um, I'm really hoping there's a way that we can take some of what we've learned and bring it into this new reality.
1: You know, Ken, I actually fear that too. Um, You know, like we all go through things in our lives and, you know, for women who have given birth to a child, there's a reason why we have a second or third or however many kids we have, because we kind of forget the pain of the first time around. So I am fearful that there's going to be some of that lost, but I hope, and this is where I'm going to challenge organizations and leaders who may be listening to this is to start to put structure in place and policies in place, whether it is flexibility and work from home and different things to allow, uh, for different ways of things to continue and different dialogues. And, you know, I think, We've been through this tough time. It has changed us in some capacity. So I don't think we're going to go back exactly to the same way we were, even if we want to. Um, but I think we do need to just have reminders to kind of keep any lessons learned. So maybe there's a time for reflection now for yeah. people before we kind of start to come out of this. What do you want to take with you? What did you yeah. learn?
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's funny. Millennials, to me, uh, uh, they, they get a bad rap. <laughs> and um, the the incredible thing is when you truly look at how they live their lives, whether it's a sharing economy, whether it's a, a mindfulness for for their environment, for the world, for other human beings, um, I, I think that there's just so much that we can take and learn. And I'm hoping, um, and also <laughs> nobody likes housing prices going up, but, no. but when you see um, what's happening in the rural communities of people moving out there, um, shows that there's this appreciation as as you talked about off the top for nature and for finding ourselves or, or grounding ourselves. And, and I think, um, I think millennials are, are gonna hopefully will show us the way, a very yeah. positive way.
1: I do too. And, you know, I think probably many of us can think of people we know who have sold their house and they've moved a couple hours out of the city. So, you know, they're kind of, they're kind of betting that leaders are not going to be calling them back in, you know, five days a week to their offices. Um, but I do hope that with millennials, I think that they are very smart in that sense, uh, that they've got a good sense of, of, balance and a good sense of, of doing service and helping. And I think that, you know, that's something that our generation that's a bit older, um, and maybe a bit more rigid can learn from them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So as so we come to a close here, what, what message would you leave to people? Um, you know, what? as as, as, a, as a coach, as somebody who practices mindfulness, who, who does what you do, what would you leave with people who want to recalibrate coming out of COVID and find that balance?
1: I'm going to leave you uh, the way that I end a lot of my executive coaching sessions. And that is with a challenge. Um, because I think it's nice to listen to this podcast, but unless we have a call to action, I don't think that there is going to be significant changes, even if this resonates with people. Mm -hmm. So what I want everybody who's listening to this to do is to carve out some time for yourself. And I know it might be crazy. I'm a, I'm a mom, a a sole parent on this earth with kids and all these things, but even if it's an hour or two and head outside with a journal and allow yourself to dream about what's possible, what you've learned through this period of COVID. uh, What do you wanna take with you? What do you want your life to look like a year from now, five years from now? And almost have like a little mini strategic planning session for yourself, attach some tactics, some action items, and some dates, some measurements, put that in a planner, make sure you're going back and checking on it. So the idea is you wanna take some of these learnings from COVID and, and reflect. Take this time to reflect because you have changed, whether you realize it or not. Everybody has changed through this. And how do you want to take that forward? Who do you want to be in this new world? And start to make plans to make that happen for yourself. And you can do it.
0: Thank you for that. That's um, that's great advice. Can I call you Coach Carrie Ann as we sign up?
1: <laughs> Sure, um, you can call it, me it, that. <laughs> you no, know,
0: It really is great advice and um, parallels a lot of what I said before for and in, in, in some of my writing about unpack your bags and and stay a while figure out what you yeah. what you need what you don't need and uh take the, keep the best that's so right thank you so much for your time and it's been great to reconnect this way
1: thank you very much ken take care of yourself bye 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 as
0: always i want to leave you with my own entrepreneur's mantra believe in yourself when nobody else does trust yourself when nobody else will And above all, be bold when nobody else dares. Thank you for listening.